Yes, we're back. Episode 38 of the Hibs Ramble. You're joined by the gruesome twosome this evening. Uh, no, Sean is not joined by Liam and no, he is not joined by Craig. It is Mark this week, so it's just the two of us. Um, how are you doing, Mark? You all right? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Disappointed after that result on Saturday, but I'm sure we'll get into that more later on. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't great. Uh, obviously, this is the first time we were recording for a while as well. We didn't have an episode last week. Uh, the Ramble were on Hibs Community Foundation duties last week, during the week. So just to give you all a little bit of info about that, myself and Liam spent the evening at the Hibernian Community Foundation strategy launch. So first of all, big shout out to them. Thanks for reaching out to the Ramble, giving us the time today, allowing us to see what they're doing behind the scenes as well, showcasing what the charity has done in the past and what they're looking to do in the future. Um, Mark, I don't know if you know, but they try and aim to work for with around about 500 people across Edinburgh and the Lovians. So they try and deliver a lot to the community. Uh, we got some, um, we got the chance to speak to some of the directors. We got the chance to speak to Ben and Lee was there as well. Um, Big Marshy was there before his horrendous weekend performance. <laughs> Was there? Yeah, so, I don't know. The last <laughs> time we've seen him for a while. Uh, we got to hear some real passionate stories from people that um, have actually been impacted throughout the, the the foundation's time and all the good work they've done. So, it just goes to show that if the right people are involved at the right things, that they can make a real difference to some people's lives, which is great. For those of you that haven't actually seen pre. Livy, pre-Livy, pre-Motherwell game at the weekend, he made the followers aware on Twitter of a little giveaway that the Ramble are going to be doing soon as well. So we are about 29 followers off what we want to hit. So obviously we love everyone that gets involved, like, shares, subscribes, whether it be on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, the lot. Um, we appreciate everyone considering it's the first season of the Ramble. Um, so, so to mark us hitting the 1,000 follower mark on Twitter, we're going to do a giveaway. So if you haven't already, give us a follow on there um, to be in with a chance of winning the prize. And as always, go like, subscribe, comment, everything on YouTube. We don't care if it's good comments, bad comments. Let's just let's get the interactions up, folks. We obviously do a lot on our Instagram page as well on match day. Mark is our resident ramble home and away. So we get good content on our home and away games. So follow us on Instagram for our, our journeys, stadium views, pie, pie reviews and views. We do a lot of throwbacks and stuff as well on Facebook, Facebook and Instagram as well, looking back on previous games of the opponent that we're about to face that weekend. So enough of all that nonsense, Mark. Well, let's get on to the nitty gritty of what was our very flat and horrendous performance at the weekend. It's needless to say that we're we're not really in the best position at the moment, not only in the league, but the squad might not actually be in a good mental place as well, which will be tough for Lee Johnson to pick them up. Just before we get into the play-by-play -play of the, the match, um, obviously you were unable to make it. Tell us a little bit more about that, if you will, Mark, and, and how you're feeling, and more importantly, how you watched the match? Yeah, so um, last week on Thursday, um, I had a operation, I had a ACL reconstruction, so shout out to Martin Boyle, I now fully know what you've had to go through, uh, and also had a repair in my meniscus as well. Um, so that'll be me out of action for several months before I'm even thinking about kicking a ball again, it'll be about 9 to 12 months. I'm sure uh, nobody will really miss me kicking a ball anyway, to be fair. Um, so I was in the house, obviously, I was bedbound at the weekend, so I watched on Hibs TV. Um, bit strange, it's the first time this season that I've actually watched a Hibs game from my house, because any other Hibs game that I've missed, I've been away, I've been up north, or I've been doing something, so I've not actually even watched the game. So this was the first time that I've actually sat in my house and watched a Hibs game this season. So it, it was a bit weird, it was strange, you have to admit. But I was looking forward to it. I thought, you know what, it's going to be a good Saturday, nice and relaxing, sit and watch the football, hopefully get a good result. But it ruined my Saturday, to be honest. It ruined my weekend. 
Did you feel like, obviously I mentioned earlier on, you your home and away and have been for a very long time and very, very few matches do you watch in the house or maybe in a pub or something? Did you maybe find it was a wee bit more nerve-wracking or you felt you were a little bit more on edge because of that or do you feel worse when you're actually at the games? I think it definitely was worse watching it at home because apart from anything, you don't, you don't have that build-up you go for a couple of pints with the boys and that maybe takes away some of the nerves. I think watching it as well, I found myself being a little bit more critical or analytical. I was really pinpointing on positioning and I was proper looking into everything and it gives you a, a, a chance to see the game from a different angle and perspective, which I think allows you to be a little bit more critical. Obviously, that game in particular, it was really slow. I, the one thing that stood out to me, we, we couldn't trap the ball. You know, we were playing 10-yard passes, we couldn't get it under. And that's something that you really pick up on, whereas when you're at the game, you maybe let wee things slide a bit more because you, you don't have that, that angle on it. Yeah. So I definitely found myself being a, a bit more critical about the team and individual players. Well, I look forward to getting your in-depth analysis from the, <laughs> from the comforts of your couch in a minute. Um I want to get your thoughts on the the, the team lines and, and the shape, but before we do that, I do want to pay tribute to Block 7's efforts at the weekend in regards to the displays that they had for both Luke and, and Andrew. Really good of them to, to do that as well. And may Luke and, and Andrew rest in peace now. 3-5-2, yeah. um, the shape looked like, certainly when the team was announced, Mark, um, which for me going into the match, we shouldn't be playing 3-5-2 at home to anybody apart from maybe the old forum. 3-5-2 um, is more of, for me, I'd, I'd, with the players we have anyway, a defensive shape and maybe something we should be doing when we're away from home against tougher opposition, but not at home to Motherwell. Uh, Miller, um, Miller and Trebaya both out and Ewan, is, Ewan as well because of his suspension, which led to Nisbet, Hop and Cadden coming in. What, what was your thoughts on not only kind of how you saw the team line, but but those players mentioned as well, either coming in or, or being dropped. Yeah, it didn't fill me with confidence. We obviously knew we had a bit of a dilemma because Jan's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet and to lose out on that pace and his goals is obviously going to have a big impact. But I think what concerned me is what you've just touched on there. 3-5-2 for me is essentially five at the back. Um, not only do you look at the five at the back, but you look at that midfield of Josh Campbell, Jimmy Jago uh, and JDH. You know, these are the types of players that got us into trouble last season under Maloney. Those three very similar players in midfield that probably don't have that attacking edge to them. I know Josh Campbell scored a few goals, but I certainly don't think he creates much in the middle of the park. Um, so the, that worried me. The lack of pace all over the pitch worried me, you know, throughout the midfield, the defence. The only real pace, and I don't think it even is pace, you could say maybe Chris Cadden. Um, he's probably the only one that, that has any legs on him. I don't think uh, Hope is particularly fast and Nisbet's not particularly fast. And that's what worried me, that, that we would be slow from the get-go and that we wouldn't have much in behind. Um, that's where we really hurt Motherwell away from home. You know, we've got Aidan McGeady, Yuan behind the lines and then crossing it into Nisbet, who obviously managed to get his hat-trick that day. We just didn't have that. Um, so... Yeah, it was a wee bit worrying. And obviously, the, the, we didn't start the match overly great either. Um, I don't really know how many replays you get when you're sitting watching it in the house, but ball gets cleared from us. Um, Hop makes a nothing attempt to even try and win the ball when, when the ball's been played out to him. I don't really understand what, what he's tried to do. He's, I don't know if he's maybe saw the defender coming for the side of his eye and then pulled out. Um, that's then led to Jimmy Jago, which we will get on to individual performances later on in the pod. But, uh, Jago makes a nothing attempt to try and win the header, which then leads, leads to Will Fish being caught out. Uh, Van Veen gets in behind him, and Marshall makes an outrageous save. It's, it's brilliant. I thought I'm not overly confident with David Marshall and haven't been at all in his Hibs career. So when he was through, I just assumed, right, OK, we're going to be 1-0 down here. But he makes a brilliant save. And then, obviously, the ball falls to the edge of the box and, and Doyle Hayes, high foot, gives away the free kick. Um, 
I don't think you could have two, maybe even three David Marshalls in that goal, and I don't think it would have been saved the actual free kick itself. It was a stunning free kick, but for me, there was two or three instances where if we'd done things a little bit better in the build-up, it doesn't get that far. You could even argue maybe four things, because I personally, I don't think Doyle Hayes needs to be putting his foot up that high if he's positionally aware and he's aware of what's around him, that maybe doesn't happen. Um, what was was your take on on that overall, whether it be the build-up or, or the goal itself? Yeah, and I think the build-up and the free kick itself kind of summed up our day. Um, it felt lazy, slack, um, just there was often time... I, I can almost forgive if, if we overplay a pass, right, and it, it, maybe we play it 10 years, 10 years too much, but see, when we underplay a pass, I don't know why, I know it's the same outcome, but it frustrates me even more because it just feels lazy. And the amount of times it happened on Saturday was just unbelievable. When we, we tried to play a 10-yard pass and we played a hospital ball and it was too short and Motherwell intercepted. Obviously, the free kick itself is a wonderful free kick. There's no way that we're going to save it. You know, no taking away for the lad. It was a, a brilliant free kick. But like you say... The build-up to it just felt lazy. It felt slack. It felt like we weren't out the gates. It felt like we weren't really trying to clear the ball. We weren't putting our foot through it. We were just just going through the motions. And it's three or four ricochets, and then eventually it's led to a foul on the edge of the box. And when you give away a foul that close to goal, you're in trouble because it was right on the edge of the box. All you need is somebody half-decent just to ping that over the wall, and there's a really good chance that's going in the net. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. So no complaints about the the free kick itself, but the build up was yeah was pretty bad. And the, the annoying thing is it happened a lot throughout the game. That that similar situation where there's four or five things that happen that we should be dealing with that then go and lead to either a Motherwell goal, a Motherwell chance, or a free kick, a penalty. Yeah, me me and Craig were sitting together at the famous five upper, and we were about halfway through. The, the first half just before we changed the shape obviously we had we had the chance pretty early on after we conceded where um, Hawk gets in behind cuts it back Cadden should maybe throw himself at it a wee bit um, and then that would have been a tap in for him and then subsequently from that corner Campbell ends up crossing in after the corners broke away Nisbet has a good header as well but other than that in the first half it just felt like we were we weren't even entertaining the second balls never mind the third balls everything we were playing just like you said was either short or just very very poor overall and I turned around to Craig in the first half and I said like I could get up and just go home and by the time I get to my car I could I could have forgot that I was even at the match like mm-hmm. I, I had absolutely no interest in it and it just felt as if it was going to be one of those days where it didn't matter how good or bad we were nothing was going to work out we obviously changed the shape in the second half um, to a four-two-three-one, which is tried and tested for for Lee Johnson. It is what works for him, uh, which then begs the question as to why he keeps changing to three-five-two now and again. But we get into half time. Um, obviously, there is a change at half time. McCurdy comes on for Doyle Hayes, who does have the yellow card. First of all, Mark, is that the change you would have made? And if so. Would you have done other changes? And if it wasn't, what changes would you have made at halftime? If not, before halftime? I think the one change that was screaming out to me was probably getting Big Mick on ASAP and probably taking Matthew Hop off. Um, he didn't look like he was having much joy. I think in the second half he got moved out to... Was it a, a winger he got moved out to in the yeah. second half? So maybe Johnson thought he would get a bit more joy. I just don't like the idea of playing wingers that don't have much pace and I don't think Hop does have much pace from what I've seen of him so far anyway. Um, I must admit I've not been overly impressed but I don't want to be too critical because he's still fairly new and it's a new league and he's on loan and whatnot but I think I would have taken him off and put Big Mick on and maybe dropped Nisbet a little bit with uh, Big Mick up like a proper number nine and uh, Nisbet maybe playing in the hole a wee bit. Similar to to Livy when the two of them were on the pitch at the same time. Exactly, yeah. Uh, And I think we could have probably caused them a little bit of trouble. Um, I like the fact that Joe Newell came on. I don't think he came on at half-time, but I I wanted to see him come on, obviously, returning from injury. I think he gives us that little bit of attacking edge. I know he's not the type of player that's going to cut the defence open with a pass, but 
Um, I think he drives us up the park a little bit more than what we had on. Jake Doyle Hayes, look, again, I, I'm never one to criticise or be, you know, slate a player or anything like that. But before he got injured, I didn't particularly rate him. Um, now that he's back from injury, I don't particularly rate him. Uh, he played brilliant at Celtic Park, don't get me wrong, but I think that masks the fact that he's not got enough in that midfield, technically. He might run about, he might work hard, but for me, he, he just doesn't have enough to to be in that midfield. And I always go back to, you look at last season, remember we were in real trouble under Sean Maloney and Jack Ross and all that. It's the same players that get us into trouble this season, you know, when they're on the park, it's the exact same players yeah. that get us into that bother that play continuously poor. So, you know, that probably begs another question as to who we need to get rid of and all that. But anyway, um, yeah, Joe Neal coming on, I think that that would have been the right thing uh, at halftime. I think Big Mick needed to come on a wee, wee bit earlier for me. We we obviously then went 2-0 um, down quite early on in, in the second half. Um, for me... There's a blatant handball in there by Van Veen before the corner. Um, whether you're saying that's ball to hand, hand to ball, I don't bloody know what the handball rule is now nowadays. So I don't know whether that should have been given or not. It doesn't. It's not given. It then goes out for a corner, a corner that we look to have cleared, and then Josh Campbell goes to play the ball out, gets caught out, um, ball to the edge of the box. Jimmy Jago again, nothing attempt from him. Boy does an overhead kick to the other side. Chris Cadden labouring out, you know, slow jog. At this point, we've got four at the back, so Cadden should be getting back into shape. Cadden's sitting at the edge of the D. Don't know why he's only at the edge of the D and not actually in his area at this point. And then a Peyton, I think it is. I'm not sure. I can't remember who it was that won the penalty. But whoever it was found themselves in acres of space. For the life of me, I do not know why Marshall feels the need to come out. You've got Cadden who's making it over, you've got Hanlon who's making it over, you've got Fish and you've got someone else in and around that area. So you've got four Hibs jerseys in the box and yet Marshall feels the need to come out. I don't know if he's maybe thought at one point he should maybe retreat um, and and then by then he's maybe like, maybe it's too far, maybe I've come too far and just goes for it. I don't know, that's decision making for him, but he's old enough, he should have maybe made a better choice there. And then obviously gives a penalty away. What is your thoughts on on the penalty itself in regards to should Marshall do better? And what was your thoughts in regards to the build up of it? Yeah, I mean the most frustrating part about that passage of play for me is that we looked like we were actually going to hit them on the counter attack. So from the corner that they put in, we didn't quite clear our lines, but we looked like we were trying to get it under and release Campbell, or Campbell was trying to release somebody to go and hit them on the counter-attack. For us to go from a potential counter-attacking position to all of a sudden conceding a penalty in the space of a second, for me, is criminal. Very much the same story as the free kick, a load of half-arsed attempts, a load of lazy attempts to clear the ball, a load of lazy attempts to header the ball. And I actually, I feel, I mean, don't get me wrong, what Marshall did was outrageous. You know, it's a penalty all day long. He comes out and absolutely clatters the boy when there's no need to. You're as well just staying on your line and either letting him have a shot and having a good chance of saving it or a Hibs jersey gets in front of him. So, But I feel sorry for him because he's been let down there by his defence. You know, the fact that that's gone from a potential counter-attacking position, all of a sudden we've allowed Motherwell to win, not only win the ball but cross the ball right over everyone into a free man in acres of space is absolutely criminal. And it's it's so unbelievably lazy from everyone involved. And then Marshall, yes, it's needless and all that, but he comes out, clatters the boy, penalty all day. It's a comical, comical defending, comical goal to concede. It was just he ridiculous. Was, he, was going, he was going wider as well. By the time he actually makes contact... With him, it is kind of quite wide in the box, which which is what frustrated me. I think everyone in the stand knew that he wasn't going to make it and he was going to give away the penalty. Um, that's the second penalty in a row now where he's overdived. I don't know if he's maybe thinking it's going to go into the corner. And we've had two poor penalties hit against us and it's went underneath him. I don't know if that's something from a goalkeeping perspective he should maybe try and change the way he dives or whatever. But after that, 
we did manage to get into the into the game, uh, and we got a goal back not long after, less than ten minutes later. Um, CJ Egan Riley in the middle of the park picks up the ball, gives it away to Cadden, and fair play to Cadden, he gets a lot of criticism, rightly or wrongly. Puts a brilliant ball in the box at the, at the point of connection from Kevin Nisbet. We've got four Hibs jerseys, and we're outnumbering the Motherwell defenders at this point in the middle of the box. So it was good that we were actually able to take take up the opportunity. Great goal um, from Kevin Nisbet, a hard header to to take, but he takes it very well. Um, and then obviously after that, we have a sustained period of pressure. Very, very small period. But what was your making of, of that? Not only our goal mark, but there was about a 10-minute period after the goal, maybe not even 10 minutes, maybe five, six minutes, where we were on top and we were constantly had control of the ball and we were in pre- we were in pressing positions, we were in their final third. Yes, there wasn't a lot of clear-cut chances. We had McCurdy's chance, which was maybe about it. What that, from maybe about 60th minute to about maybe 70, 75, I know we should be dominating matches at home a lot more. And considering we're only talking about a 10-minute spell here, what did you make of that? Yeah, I think, you know, when we got the goal, I genuinely did think, right, we can get something out of this, even if it's just a point. The game itself reminds me of Dundee United at home in every sense, because for me, Dundee United was the worst performance of the season at home when we drew 2-2 up until Saturday. And there's a lot of stuff that reminds me. It was flat, it was slow, it was lazy, everything. So I thought, right, this is kind of like the Dundee United game. We're going to play absolutely brutal, but we might actually get something out of it. And Another Nisbet masterclass. We get that goal, we make a couple of subs, Big Mick comes on, Newell comes on, you can see them, they're trying to lift the team, they're trying to lift the crowd, you know, they're getting at the old clap, you know, trying to give it, get everyone a wee lift, and I thought, right, we can kick on now, we've brought on a couple of quality players, we can kick on, put a bit of pressure on, I think we'll probably get a point, but it just reverted back, you know, we like you say, there was maybe, maybe even less than 10 minutes, and it wasn't as if we had any really good chances, or we had loads of the ball, and that we just had a wee bit more about us than we did for the rest of the game. We had a wee bit more energy, a wee bit more bite. You know, there wasn't any attacking threat, any flair or anything like that. It's just we had a bit more than what we had previously. Um, so it, it was frustrating that we couldn't keep that going, but it just fell back flat. And then Motherwell just did what they had to do, sat back a wee bit, hit us in the counter-attack, and then they go and finish us off. Yeah, they, they did finish us off with 10 minutes to go. That really killed the... Killed the game at that point with nine, 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 ten minutes to go. Um, do you think it was a free kick? First of all, to be honest, I can't even remember it. Um, so ball get ball gets cleared by Motherwell. It's a two v one. Will Fish is the only one back. Will Fish uh, managed to get get the boy turned, and he's facing his own goal, so he's facing away from our goal, and he comes in from behind just to try and get in and around them. And Peyton feels a feels a contact, falls to the ground, and buys a free kick. For me, it wasn't a free kick. Very, very soft, in my opinion. Yeah, those ones seem to be a free kick, like a, a gift of a free kick every single time. Any time, and I watch it week in, week out, whether it's the English League or whether it's the Scottish League, as soon as somebody has the ball trapped and a boy's coming from behind them, as soon as they even get within an inch, they fall straight down and it's an immediate free kick. Even if there's no contact whatsoever, it's yeah. an immediate free kick and it's, it's Porteous used to buy them all the time. And I used to love him for it. He used to see his man come in and as soon as he even just felt a wee breath behind him, he'd go down and he'd buy a free kick. It's great when it works for you, but for me, it's so frustrating because it's it's literally, I've never seen it not awarded. Every referee seems to award it all of the time. Uh, one word answer. Should Marshall have done better for the third goal in their free kick? Yes, cool. absolutely. Glad we agree with that. Um, I don't know if you've seen Lee Johnson's post-match comments at all. If you have, I'll get your thoughts on them. If you've not, I'll tell you the bit that I want to talk about. But I only watched... I only, in fact, no, I watched both. I watched the BBC one and uh, the sports scene one and I watched the Hibs TV one. In both interviews, he doesn't seem to take responsibility for getting the team, either the team selection wrong or the team shape wrong. Now, I don't know 
he's not really done it in his Hibs career where he's came out and criticised um, individuals. He's criticised the team and he likes to do that a lot. But do you not think that that would have been a great opportunity for him to say, listen, I got it wrong. I shouldn't have done this. I should have done that. The reason why I ask that is because in both interviews, he sounds like he's going to take responsibility for it, but then he says that he's going to take responsibility for not being on the sidelines, i.e. getting the bookings and being in the stand. So he, he takes responsibility for that, but he doesn't openly come out and state that he is taking responsibility for getting it wrong or admitting that he gets it wrong. But then on the flip side, and I, I, this is where I want to get your opinion on it, is him changing the shape early in the first half, is that his way of not apologising for getting it wrong to the fans, but admitting defeat and admitting that getting it wrong, because instead of being reactive and waiting on us to go 2-0 down early in the second half, he's made those changes in the first half and tried to be a little bit more proactive. Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, the way I look at it is that, yes, could he have picked a better team? Probably. Could he have picked a better shape? Probably. Um, but for me, we weren't beaten by tactics. We weren't beaten by shape. We weren't beaten by formation or starting eleven. We were beaten because we didn't do the basics right, which is nothing to do with Lee Johnson. We didn't do. We, we didn't have enough cutting edge. We didn't um, run enough. I've not seen the actual nitty gritty stats, but I would imagine Motherwell sprinted more than us. They probably ran more than us. Um, so ultimately, right, well, can, we barely moved for ninety exactly, minutes. Exactly, but you can talk so. about. You know, you can talk about tactics, you can talk about formations and shapes and all that kind of stuff, right? But football is a simple game, and I know that's really cliche to say that, but you need to run, you need to outrun your opponents, you need to outwork your opponents, you need to want it more. Those are, you know, those are the things that you need to have. And for me, we didn't have any of that on Saturday. We couldn't play a 10-yard pass. The amount of times where somebody played a pass and the boy couldn't trap it, they couldn't get the ball under control despite it being a really easy pass... It was unbelievable. So for me, that's that's on the players. That's the players on the pitch that need to do that. It's nothing to do with shape. Yes, could they have done a bit, you know, a little bit more in terms of the shape and all that? Yeah, probably. But um, I don't see why Lee Johnson should have to take the blame for players not performing to the level that they should be in terms of, a, you know, really wanting it. And there was a lot of players on Saturday that just looked like they weren't interested and they've looked that way a couple of times this season. And for me, that's... That's unforgivable. I know I said in the podcast that we've done with Lee and Ben that uh, when Ben gives me the directory football position that I'm Lee Johnson in, I'd keep him. But I think after that, I'm, I'm Mark Duncan in and Lee Johnson out. So <laughs> you've got a, a job secured when, when I get the directory football job, mate. I can be like Martin Boyer. I can be like the vibes coach. <laughs> um, so, bringing up when it comes to a close on, on, on that game slightly and, and transition into talking about our Dundee United fixture at, at, at the weekend. But at the moment, after that, Mark, where where does that leave us? And don't say sixth, because that's obvious. But <laughs> where, 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 where do you see us being? Where, do you, where does that leave us in your eyes? Because I don't, know if, I don't know if you've deleted it. I don't know if you regret it, but I'm sure I saw his tweet saying the season's over. Yeah, I did. I did. I think I've still got it there. I might have deleted it. I don't know. Um, uh, I think third um, is probably gone. I think it's funny though because football is—it's just a funny sport, isn't it? Because after one game, you know, prior to the game, we were talking about third. If we win this and Hearts get beat, which they did, um, you know, we've got a really good chance of getting third. We had all that confidence, and then ninety minutes passes, and immediately. We're talking about how we're not even going to get top six. So no doubt if we go and beat Dundee United on Saturday, it'll be right back to finishing third. For me, I don't think we can get third, in my opinion, especially playing like that. Um, I think now we should be, first of all, aiming to secure top six, and then we'll go from there post-split. It's annoying because we can't even bask in the glory of Christian Deutsch. I know. Scoring the winner against Hearts and, and giving us the advantage that we need. And that, that's a frustration that I've had for for years, Mark, that Hibs just consistently seem to be the most inconsistent side out there. Mm-hmm. And, and it's frustrating from a from a results perspective and a performance perspective. I think four games or four Hibs games ago, um, 
five Hearts games, if you want to look at it that way. We were five points behind Hearts and we were in fourth. Those games have now passed. We're still five points behind Hearts and now we're down to six. So Hearts have lost four of their last five and yet we've not gained on them at all. It's yeah. very, very frustrating. And then if you look at it on the flip side of things, it was only three, four, maybe... Nah, maybe not even that long, maybe longer than that. Maybe a couple of months ago, everyone was laughing at Aberdeen after the Darville defeat. They've then been pumped 5 and 6 nil by Hearts and and us. They've sacked their manager, they've been pumped by St Mirren, they've been pumped by Celtic, and yet they've now went and won four of their, eh, sorry, five of their last six. They're one point behind Hearts, and a lot of people are now tipping them to, to finish third. So it just goes to show what you can do if, if you can sustain a, a little a little bit of run together and I think obviously Hearts at the moment it's I mean it's great to see the Hearts fans are now Nielsen out and heavily against them again I, I do like seeing that but I think they need to be careful what they wish for as well considering how consistent <laughs> they've been at finishing third but hopefully that that continues and we can bask in that glory um the last couple of things I want to touch on about the weekend's performance is obviously it, it happens all the time we get we go through a, a a runny fixtures were been really well, and then we go and lose three or four on the bounce. It obviously happened a lot this season. Um, lots of people have been called out uh, in regards to their personal performances. I think we can both agree that that performance at the weekend was way, way, way below anywhere it needed to be, but it just goes to show that that's kind of what happens when even two or three players aren't even at it. Do you know what I mean? When you're looking at Josh Campbell, who is a who has been our best performer this season and one of our most consistent, he's lunging into challenges. He can't get the ball under control, and, and it just goes to show how poor we were being. Um, just very, very quickly, I'm going to rattle off some names at you, and I just want to know how you saw their individual performances, uh, because these are the names that I've seen get a lot of criticism over the weekend. Maybe not just over the weekend, but consistently get a lot of criticism. Um, so we'll start with, with, with David Marshall. How was your take on him at the weekend? I do. I feel for him. I have to admit, I like David Marshall. I think the criticism that he's got after that performance is warranted because it was a really, really poor performance. I think he, he, he shouldn't give away the penalty. He should save the penalty and he also should do better for the free kick. But I think it's maybe a bit harsh to be calling for him to be dropped and all that. You know, I think he's been all right this season. So not good enough, but I'll let him off. I know a lot of um, performances this season, Lewis Miller and, and, and Trebaya have, have been very inconsistent and we're still not really sure what we're going to get from them. But after their performance at Celtic Park, especially Lewis Miller's, to then for both of them to be dropped and Chris Cadden and Lewis Stevenson to come in and obviously they didn't perform the greatest either. Um, do you think, I mean, obviously in hindsight we got beat, so it's obviously the wrong decision. But where do you stand in regards to our right and left fullback position and, and who should maybe be our best choice. I know Cadden provided a really, really good assist, but when you look on the face of it, how good Lewis Miller was against Celtic, was it really that much a risk to maybe just give him another another game against Motherwell? Yeah, I don't know why we didn't play him. I don't know if there was an actual reason if it was he had carried a knock or it was a fitness issue or whatever, but if he was fit, even 80% fit, he would have been starting for me. If Jake Doyle Hayes can come back for injury and play well at Celtic Park and then get started against Motherwell, I've no idea why Lewis Miller isn't in the same category because Lewis Miller was outstanding and I think we really could have used him. I think Cadden, um, I don't mind him, but he's defensively so frail. Um, he's, he's, he's positioning and he, he ships a lot of goals and I don't even think he's particularly amazing going forward. If we were to play him in any position, it would probably be in a more attacking midfielder, you know, right right midfielder, left midfielder, something like that. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know it's why... you say that, actually, because I thought that that's where he would have maybe went when we changed the shape. Yeah, I thought we would have put Egan Riley to right back and then push Cadden up up one and then maybe take, you know, Doyle Hayes off or Hoppin off and, and maybe go a wee bit more attacking there. Obviously, we'll, we'll move on to, in my opinion, 
the worst performer on the pitch at the weekend. Um, I have been a fan of him since he came in, um, but you know me, Mark, I'll, whether they perform well or perform bad, I'll, I'll say it how it is, or at least I like to think I do. Um, Jimmy Jago, one of the worst performances I've seen in a hip shot in a very long time. Um, man gets a lot of criticism from all walks of the hip support. Um, some people just haven't taken to him, and some people have. He divides a he divides opinion. Hopefully, or I'm hoping that is just one one game. Um, what did you make of his very very poor performance? Yeah, and you know what? It was an obviously poor performance as well. It was one of them where you know I don't I don't actually think he found the hip shirt all game. And we're talking really basic passes, five, ten yard passes that he was putting out for throw-ins or just literally giving it straight to Motherwell. I'm not going to be too critical of him because I do genuinely really like him and I think he's been good. I think the criticism he's had since he's come in has been unfair. I think he's he's actually been what we've needed. Um, but he can't have too many more performances like that, that's for sure. He cannot play like that. Uh, you know, it's not as if he was coming up against brilliant opposition. You know, it was a really good chance for him to go out and and maybe don't know what the the, the phrase would be, strut his stuff a wee bit. <laughs> you know, put a wee bit of flair. Um, but he, he was just lethargic. He was really, really poor the whole game, and he just looked like he lost that bit of confidence. And it, it looked by the end of it like he was being lazy. And that he was he wasn't making runs, he wasn't attempting headers, he wasn't really doing anything. For me, you can misplace passes, you can have a bad game. As long as you work your balls off, then you can be forgiven. But if you throw in the towel, then that's when you're not going to be accepted. I, I was shocked that he, he, he got the full 90. Um, like I, I'm with you, I do rate him. I do think he brings a lot of, of good qualities to the team. Um, for the role that he needs to do, you don't need to be able to really make these worldy passes or maybe even you know 10 15 20 yard passes obviously a professional footballer should but i think it kind of begs the question as to whether he should be starting against teams like motherwell at home do you know mm. what i mean it is his what he brings to the team and the abilities he has are they really needed for that type of game should we have maybe put egan riley in there instead I don't know. It's. It, I think that's obviously one for one for Johnson. We've already touched about Doyle Hayes. You've obviously made your your feelings clear about about him, and I I agree. Um, I just want to touch on on Matthew Hoppe or Hop, however you want to pronounce it. You've obviously mentioned your thoughts on him. Me and Craig were speaking about him a lot during the game, and I don't yet seem to be able to buy into what he's bringing to the team. He's not athletic, like you said. Um, I mentioned about the first goal. He was unwilling to put his body on the line to try and win the ball when it was in the air. Um, I, I don't know what it is about him. Uh, he's not flashy. He can't take it past a man. He's not really got a good delivery. And he's not good at one-on-ones, as we've seen from Livingston away. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to not just his performance, but maybe just him overall. I know we don't we don't want to be overly critical. It is just one game, but he's played four or five games now, and for me personally, I, I've not really seen him, you know, set set alight anything at the moment. No, he doesn't like you just said. He doesn't offer anything. Um, you know, when you look at a striker, you want him to have some kind of asset whether it's height and strength so he can win headers or whether it's he holds the ball up well or he's quick and can beat a man or he's just good at finishing, literally just good at finishing. I think Kevin is, but, you know, he's, he's just a brilliant finisher. He knows where the goal is. Apart from that, you wouldn't say he's got any other assets, but at least he's got that one. With Hop, I just don't see anything. I just don't see um, what he offers. And I think, I don't know if Big Mick... Um, has got some kind of injury that, that's keeping him out of that starting 11. But for me, he has to come back into the starting 11 and, and hop, hop um, come out of it so that it's Nisbet and, and Big Mick up top again. For me, that's the only option that we've got. Either that or we take Hop off and put Yuan with Nisbet as the striker. How do you see us moving forward then with... Because we do have a, a dangerous front, front line. We've got the right players for it. Kevin Nisbet seemed very isolated when he didn't have a lot of creativity around him at the weekend. Um, it just seemed that it seemed 
obviously Nisbet got his goal right. It reminded me of Nisbet under Maloney pre-injury when he was getting a lot of criticism because he wasn't doing anything. How do you think we can get the best out of Nisbet again, even with Kukarevich? Because I want to see the two of them play together, but how do we fit them in without doing a 3-5-2, which I don't think we should have? And then you've got Yuan as well, Campbell, who's been performing. How do you how do you fit all them in? What? I think when Big Mick and Nisbet play together, I would like to see them play that sort of seesaw role. Um, and... You know, I quite like the idea of Big Mick being that sort of false nine with Nisbet playing further up, but I also like the the opposite, Nisbet playing in that hole and then Big, Big Mick being a sort of out-and-out out striker. So if they were to play together, I would quite like to see that, that seesaw, because I think that will confuse defenders, that will allow them to rotate between each other. I personally prefer when we've got wingers, you know, when we've got players out wide, we've got a Yuan, you know, it's been McGeady this season, players that we've got out wide that can then get the ball in, whether it's low crosses or high crosses. So I think that we've got options there. But I think going forward for the next few weeks, because obviously we've not got McGeady, we do have Yuan. I personally would quite like to see that sort of seesaw role with maybe two wide players, Yuan playing out wide with maybe, I don't know, a Cadden or a Miller or somebody like that overlapping um, to provide that sort of support out wide. Because that's what we missed on Saturday. Um, we missed pace. We missed pace in behind getting those crosses in. Um, it just it was non-existent the whole game. Um, so that's what I think we should be doing next. Do you think that's what we might see moving into Dundee United? Obviously, that takes us into the Dundee United preview. Um, how do you see us kind of setting up? Do you think Lee Johnson will go back to his four-two-three-one? I think he's going to find it tough to get you know the two of them in the starting 11 at the same time, although we managed to do it at, at Livy, albeit we were winning at this point. How do you see us setting up? What Because obviously you, you want, we both want those two up top together. I think obviously we want Yuan in there as well. How does our midfield two look at that point? You know, how do you think Lee Johnson will set up? And do you think there'll be many changes made in comparison to the weekend's performance? Or on the flip side, do you think it'll give them another chance to prove a point? I don't think so. I don't think he'll, he'll. I think he would be mental to go with the same shape and and starting eleven. I think. Um, I, I think the players in behind. I would probably say um, it would have to be either. I, I'd probably go big Mick up top, and then the three in behind. I'd probably say Nisbet in the hole, and then maybe Yuan and Campbell either side would, would be for me to get everyone in the starting eleven. Um, if not, then it would probably just have to be Nisbet up top on his own. Um, I think Newell comes back into the team, um, you know, and sits in that with, with maybe Egan Riley, that sort of in the whole, sort of in the in the defensive midfielder role. Um, but I think we revert back to a four-two-three-one for me. That's what we go with. Was, I'm glad you mentioned Joe Newell as well because I feel like at the weekend, obviously, the game was screaming out for somebody like that in the middle of the park. So it will be good to have him back. I think it'll be interesting to see how, you know, mentioning, talking about the players that you mentioned there with Campbell, you've got Egan Riley in there as well. We've now got Joe Newell. It'll be interesting to see how he fits in those those kind of players in that selection. For me, I would want to see a, a Joe Newell and an Egan Riley in there together with Josh Campbell giving a wee bit more of a free role as well. Um like I said earlier, I don't think Jimmy Jekyll's built for a lot of games in this league. I think he's built for the games where we're not going to have a lot of the ball. And obviously, Dundee United, are, I can't see them having a lot of the ball at the weekend myself. Um, are you in a position to go? Are you fit well? Or are you still homebound? I won't be going, unfortunately. Um, I'll try my very best to make the derby um, at home, but I don't think I'll be able to go to many more away games this season. And lastly, before we move on to everyone's favourite, the the listener questions. One, do you think it's a must-win at the weekend? And two, do you think we will win at the weekend? Um, I, I don't like using the term must-win, but I suppose, certainly for finishing third, if we've still got ambitions of finishing third, then absolutely we need to win it. There's no question. Um, I, I think it's important, yeah. I think we we definitely want to win it to 
at least solidify sixth, top six, and then we can look above in it. Not only that, I think what's important to remember is it's on the back, it's just behind before a derby. Yeah. You know, we want to go into a derby at least on the back of a good win and hope that they maybe get beat so that they start to question themselves even more and we go in with a wee bit more confidence. Um, yeah, I, I think it's important. For for me, I, I do actually see it as a as a must win. Um, I did say that we'd only pick six points up from the next four games and I really hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong. I know a lot of people out there like to take a lot of, how do I word this, um, satisfaction from the demise of either Hibs players or Hibs in general. I've seen a lot of people enjoy the fact that they were proven right at the weekend by certain individuals and certain performances. I don't like to see that for me. Um, you're a Hibs fan, so you should be wanting every Hibs player to do well, regardless um, of who they are or, or or how they've played in the past. I think, I know you'll agree as well, that if you're, a, if you're a Hibs fan, you should want Hibs to win and you should want all the players to do well. You shouldn't be wishing anyone to have a bad game to prove you as a, as a viewer correct. So um, I do think it'll be a tough game. I do think it is a must win, considering Hearts have got St Mirren at home. We're a point above Livy. Livy have got Motherwell away, so that'll be a very tough fixture. And, and Aberdeen have Kelly at, at home. So I can see results going against us at the weekend, which will make it more and more important for, for us getting the victory, especially considering we're then going in to play Hearts. And when we play Hearts, Livy play St Johnston. And I, I don't know who, I can't remember who Aberdeen play. I think Aberdeen play Ross County or something. So again, winnable games for them. And then obviously we've got St Johnston. So a tough place to go again. Uh, what we'll do is we'll move on to everyone's favourite, the listeners' questions. Now it's time to answer the hip Ramble listener questions. Tell you what, Mark, I certainly will not be making the same mistake as you this week. And I will be asking the right question first. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? I'm not even going to ask the question. I'm just going to let you answer it because you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do. Um, I actually don't know what's for dinner tonight, to be honest. I think um, probably some sort of... Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to steal your thunder here. Probably some sort of creamy pasta. Oh, Are you making dinner for the two of us or what? Should I get on my oh, bike? I'll, I'll send you well, you've just had a HelloFresh delivery, so I'm excited to hear what was in that package. Uh, I actually have absolutely no idea, but I'm assuming it'll either be a chicken and rice or a creamy pasta dish. Um, <laughs> although I have had a few banging risottos from HelloFresh recently, so maybe maybe one of those will be on the cards. Um, John did also say that he thinks that we've bottled top six, which I think is a bold claim, John, uh, to make, considering we're only one point above Livy. Uh, what's your thoughts on, on that, Mark? I think we'll get top six. I think we'll get top six. I think we'll we'll struggle to get third, um, but I think we'll get top six. Um, Gav, I'm not going to criticise anything that you may or may not have spelt correctly or incorrectly because I do it a lot myself. Um, Gav's probably just been too quick at hitting the tweet button and not re-read his tweet, and I'm guilty of doing that all too often, as my other half will, will tell me because she uh, slates me every time I tweet something. She's like, oh, look, you've done something wrong, and I try and quickly delete it, but... <laughs> Um, Gav has said should we already be looking for a new goalkeeper Marshall has made too many mistakes this season and he also feels that we missed Yuan massively I mean I feel like we missed Yuan massively and I know you do as well Mark but what's your thoughts on the the goalkeeping position because for me or me and Craig actually because we both spoke about it at the weekend Marshall just doesn't have any real competition and I don't know if that's maybe feeding into just you know, a, a lack of judgment from him. For me, you should always have two solid keepers, very similar to what Hearts have in Xander Clark and Craig Gordon, who are competing for the number one jersey and fighting for each other, and then have a what you'd class as a hot prospect or a you know a highly rated youngster. Yeah, do you know what? I'm really, really torn on Marshall, and it's been that way the whole season because I really want to like him, and I really want him to be good. But there's been a few times this season where I've thought, oh, I don't think he's actually that great. 
and it's funny because Marshall seems to be the one apart, you know, before he, uh, Saturday, he seems to be immune from criticism. It seems that when he makes a mistake or when he maybe should have saved it or he should have done better, nobody's really talked about it up until Saturday. I don't know. It, it feels to me like a bit of a standard Hibs knee-jerk reaction. Has a bad game, we need to get rid of him, tear up the contract, get a 14-year-old in goals instead. It feels very much like a knee-jerk reaction. So I certainly think it'll be him in goals till the end of the season. I don't think he's been dreadful this season. Yes, he's maybe not been as good as what we've been used to with, say, Rocky. Um, but I, I, I don't think he's been dreadful. I think he's he certainly merits having the number one spot for the rest of the season. But I totally agree that we do. He's, he's certainly not getting any younger. He won't be playing. If, if he does go on to next season, that will probably be his last. So we definitely need to sign somebody. Um, it does It does take us on to Logan's tweet. It's not really a question. Um, he just mentions that, well, it is. He's just not really put the question mark. So does... I'll hit you with Billy and Logan's, actually, because they're both relating to the goalkeeping position. So Logan's went, does Murray Johnson deserve a shot? Looks like a decent keeper. And if we're going to use him in the future, he does need minutes. And then Billy's asked, do we stick or twist with with Marshall? So um, I think this is the last couple of questions on the actual goalkeeping position. And we've got other stuff to cover. So we'll incorporate those two, Mark. What, what's, your, what's your thoughts on not only Murray Johnson maybe deserving a shot, how do we either get him in to give him that shot if you feel he does deserve it? And does that come at the expense of, of replacing Marshall next season? Or should we replace Marshall with someone completely different that's maybe not at the club, like a Marciano who's out of contract at the end of the season? I think what people need to remember is that being a goalkeeper or I'd probably say centre-half are two positions where it is so unbelievably difficult to come in as a youth player especially a club the size of Hibs, for somebody that, how old Murray Johnson, 19? 19. When do you see a Premiership, a Scottish Premiership goalkeeper that is below the age of 23, 24? And there's a reason for that. You know, these young guys, they'll they'll come in and they'll make mistakes. The problem is if Murray Johnson comes into the Hibs goal, makes a mistake, he will get eaten alive by the Hibs fans and will say, oh, he's pish, get rid of him, we need to bring in somebody else because that's what Hibs fans do. So I want to protect him. I want. I think he will be a future number one, but he needs to go out on loan to uh, uh, smaller clubs who when he, when he does make a mistake, it's not going to be front page, it's not going to be 20,000 fans getting on his back. So I, I really don't, I don't think we bring him in. That is my honest assessment. I definitely think we need a new keeper, but we need to bring in an experienced keeper. Um, I don't think Dabrowski is good enough. Um, did we get rid of him permanently? His, con- his contract's out at the end of the season so anyway, think, so we'll you'll we'll be... And then you've got yeah. Tom Parra as well. So I think Marshall stays in certainly for the rest of the season. If he can go another season, he probably will stay number one, but I definitely think we need to bring in an experienced keeper and keep Murray Johnson as our number two. I just... I want to protect him, and I really think that putting him number one at Hibs is a huge mistake because that that's something that could ruin his career. If he comes in and makes a couple of mistakes, you know what Hibs fans are like; they will absolutely destroy him, and that's the type of thing that can completely ruin confidence. It never ever comes back. No, I completely agree. I think it, it, Murray Johnson had a spell. I don't know if it's two spells this season out at Airdrie. Definitely two loans, but there was one out at the beginning of the season where he played every game in the month and got Player of the Month as well. So. He's definitely highly rated and highly thought of, but um, so was Jack Bryden and we let him go. So I don't know. I don't know what the script is there. I'm, I'm not saying Jack Bryden should have been given a chance because I don't know, but I'm just saying these highly rated players that we have at the moment, we seem to either not be managing them correctly or letting them go in the case of some others that are maybe yet to sign up in the uh, from the under-19 squad uh, or just not give them a chance. Um Jeff has said yesterday was summed up by Campbell, which is kind of one of the things we touched on earlier, who's been one of our best players this season, having an absolute nightmare, closely followed by Diego, Jake Doyle Hayes and CJ, um, coupled with a keeper who had one of the worst 45 minutes I can remember since Zibby. Now that is, that's a shout. Uh, then the result was never in doubt. So no real, not really a question in there, but we did certainly touch on all of those 
individual performances as well. So uh, it's good to see that, that Jeff has high football and IQ, considering we saw it as well. Uh, Keith has also said that we have now lost to every team in the division. Bit of a downer. Thanks for that, Keith. I appreciate that. I think that's <laughs> cinch all over. That's just cinch. Yeah. Everyone beats everyone. Um, that's just the, the league's been like that for as long as I, I can remember. It's very rare that Hibs go a season having not been beaten by the majority of the league at least once. Especially because we play each other about 500 million times. So we're always going to get that one game where we might get beat. I think it's, it's quite interesting. It would be quite interesting to see if in previous years how often that has happened for us. I'm certainly not going to do the legwork for it, but it would be interesting. I, I saw a few people tweet that we've now lost to everyone in, in the league. Um, James has then said, how on earth are we still five points off third? And I don't have the ability to answer that, Mark, considering... Like I said earlier, Hearts have lost four of the last five, and yet we're still five points off them, and yet we're further down the league. It's it just like you said to earlier on in the previous statement, it's cinch all over, isn't it? Yeah, the quality of the league is brutal, to be honest. Um, it the seems why, beats are, but it's worse, if that makes sense. Yeah, the reason why everyone beats everyone is because you'll go to somebody like a Livingston or a Ross County or a St Mirren or and they'll sit with 10 men behind the ball when Hibs, Hearts or the Old Farm or Aberdeen come into town, and they'll say, oh, well, it's because of the budget that we've not got. Um, and you go and end up losing horrible, scrappy games to clubs like that, and it just means that everyone beats everyone. Unfortunately, we don't have, as Aberdeen and Hearts, don't have the quality to go and kill every single team off every single week. So when you come up against a team that sits 10 men behind the ball, it's, it's always going to be tough. Um, but it's just because of the quality. The, that's that's my answer to that. How the fuck are we still five points off third? Because the quality is brutal. We spoke about Aberdeen earlier. They've been pumped multiple times. Not to the Scottish Cup by Darvell. They've been brutal, but they went on a run of four or five games and all of a sudden they could finish third. It just shows how pish that, that area is in the league. It's been like that for about three or four seasons as well. Exactly. All it took for Hearts last season was to be a wee bit... Hearts weren't even that good last season, right? And I know that if anyone Hearts fans are watching, they'll be like, oh, a better Hibs fan. But Hearts weren't amazing. They were certainly better than this season. But all they needed was a wee bit of consistency, grinding out results at home. This season, Hearts have only won something like three away games all season. Something outrageous like that. But because they win their home games, they're third. All you need in the cinch is a little bit of consistency, grinding out results, and you're pretty much guaranteed third place. Yeah. Um, last three questions then. Thomas has fired one in with what? This is kind of touching on what we've mentioned earlier on. What should the consistent start in 11 be for the next three games? Um, I think we'll agree that Marshall will still play them. Murray Johnson's not going to come in. For me... Um, the left-back spot is up for grabs. Fish and Hanlon will play together. I would stick with Cadden over Miller in a back four. I'd have um, or potentially put CJ at right back. If CJ's not at right back, I would have him in the middle with Joe Newell. If CJ is at right back, I would have um, Newell and Jago together, depending on the opponent that we're playing. Campbell in the ten. And then it's a case of somehow getting Kukarevic Nisbet and Yuan in a, in a front three without one of them being forced at wide. That that would be my consistent 11. I don't know about yours. I don't know. I'd have to sit and think about it. But I think um, some key... I, I, I would try and bring Miller back in and give him a chance. I know that he wasn't great prior to injury, but he seems to have played well at Celtic Park, so give the lad a chance, see how he gets on against them, the United... I agree. I would quite like to see CJ playing alongside Joe Newell just behind the midfield in front of the defence. I would quite like to see that. I think they both have that wee bit of bite, that wee bit of something. And especially CJ's got quick feet and he's he can create stuff. Um, I would like to see Big Mick getting a bit more involved because I really like him. Um, and obviously, Yuan, he should be the first name on the team sheet every single week. Um, I think probably JDH should be nowhere near the first team. Um, and I would agree that Jago maybe should come on for the bigger games where we maybe have less possession. 
Uh, John has fired in another question as well, just because he loves the ramble so much. What, uh, I'm assuming you were at the first game that he's going to mention here, because obviously you weren't at the game on Saturday. What was the worst game to be at? The Falkirk game in the Cup earlier on in the season or Motherwell at the weekend? And I'll answer that first. And I actually felt that Motherwell at the weekend was, was worse because Falkirk in the Cup was just funny. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, like I was sitting in the stand at Falkirk and yes, it was a terrible performance, but we actually created a lot. I think we hit the bar, we hit the post twice or something as well. I'm sure, could be making this up, Doidge was through on goal, yeah. scored. So we were creating a lot of chances and so we should have against Falkirk. But um, Motherwell at the weekend was worse because it was so flat and it was so poor and it was just I, I don't I just don't see my, my hip side playing as, as poor as that Yeah, I mean obviously I wasn't at the game on Saturday but I'll compare it to the game at home against Dundee United when we drew 2-2 because I think there was I think it was quite similar in terms of how flat it was but Falkirk like you say, that at least it's something Again, it was a wee bit of shock, it was a wee bit of a news story, there was a wee bit of bite between the crowd, there was a bit of atmosphere in the away end, we created chances, there was moments in the game. When it's flat at home, I honestly don't think there's anything worse. The atmosphere at Easter Road is disgusting when it's a game where it's flat. And that's that's nothing against any Hibs fans, because I'm, you know, I sit in the West End, I don't sing all game, but the atmosphere is just dreadful. The no, but everyone's getting on players' backs. It's just, it's literally flat in all aspects. So it's almost depressing, and you cannot wait to get out. I've seen myself leaving when it's the game's one-one at like sixty minutes because it's so flat. But at least in a away game, there's a wee bit more. There's a wee bit more of Sutton. Yeah. Um, two-parter question that we've got from Callum. He fired a question over on Instagram, like I said earlier on, get involved on our Instagram page. We do get a a lot going through that as well, a lot of content, um, whether it be match day or, you know, on the story. Um, I'm going to slightly change the first question because the first question is, should Lee Johnson be sacked? And I'm fairly certain we're both going to say no. Um, My answer would still remain the same if he didn't make the top six. It would still be no because I do feel like we need a bit of consistency and I'm sh- assuming you're going to say the same, Mark. So my question would be, will he be sacked if we don't make top six? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. I hope not. I hope not. And I know that a, a huge portion of the fan base will say that he should be, but I don't think he will. I think he's got the backing of Ben Kensel. I think he's probably got the backing of the board. I, given everything that's gone on where with Ron and things like that, will they want to sack a manager and go through that recruitment process when they've already got a manager that they seem to have a good relationship with? Yeah. Um, so, no, I don't think they will, and I don't think they should either. Um, I actually seen something on Twitter earlier, and I thought it was a brilliant point. Um, if Hearts end up sacking Nielsen, which I think will happen um, because of the discontent, Aberdeen are going through a recruitment process at the moment as well, which are our two biggest rivals. If we then sack our manager, we get put in the same boat as them. Yeah. Whereas if they are recruiting and looking for a manager, they need to restart a process, whereas we're already a season in. We've got a season advantage. We've got that that bit of experience in that manager, which could help us go above them. And it could um, delay what they're trying to do. It could. It, you never know. It could backfire. They might go and get top managers in and completely leave us, leave us in the dust. But I think if we... Um, if we have a manager that's been in place for a year um, and they're still recruiting, they still have to go through that process. The players are getting used to them, new style, new formations, new recruitment policies. Um, I think it gives us a bit of an advantage. And last question, what areas do we lack the most or what should we be looking at to to heavily recruit in, in regards to the summer? Callum has actually just only said defence midfield um, but obviously we've, we've we've touched on the goalkeeping position, so we'll not touch on that. But in regards to the, the attacking areas, if you think about it there as well, um, I think Nisbet are leaving the summer. Yeah, 
if rumours are led to believe he will be away in the summer and we won't have him anymore, we're not going to keep Kukarevic. Matthew Hopp will go back. Ethan Laidlaw being linked with teams down south. Josh O'Connor's yet to sign a deal as well. Don't know what the script is with those two at the, the latter end of that. So that's five attacking options out the door, not including Yuan. I'm hoping, obviously, we do pull the trigger and we sign them. But if we don't, then that's six attacking options that we've got out the door. Martin Boyle coming back from a long-term injury might not be the player he once was as well. So I think I've, I've, I've pretty much just made my case clear that I think it's the attacking options that we need to do. But I include attacking midfield in that. Um, I do think we need a little bit of everything. Um what about you, Mark? Where, where do you see, do we, what do we lack the most looking forward? I think we've had the same problem for years, going back to probably probably Jack Ross. Um, our problem has been midfield and that central midfield area. For me, we always seem to have midfield players that are too similar. You know, you go back to when we were under Maloney, we seemed to play with Josh Campbell, GDH, Newell, uh, potentially Henderson. It, it just always we we always seem to be surprised when it doesn't work, even though it's not worked for years now. You know, Jake Doyle Hayes comes in and and plays rubbish, and we're all surprised as if he's not been playing like that for years. Um, you know, I just think we need to freshen up the midfield. I'm not saying that we can go and sign Scott Allen again or a player like Scotland because I know it's difficult to find that boy in midfield that can cut defenses open. But we need somebody in midfield that has that creative spark about them, that wants to drive forward, that wants to open defence up, that maybe wants to run at players or link up with the strikers. We're, we're far too often that we have midfielders that are good at winning the ball, maybe good at passing sideways and backwards, but just have nothing going forward. And I think it's, I could be wrong, but I think it's been that way under, and I think it was probably, you know, Jack Ross's and Sean Maloney's undoing. Um, was because we just didn't have a good midfield. Um, but I completely agree, obviously, if we lose all those strikers, then we will need to sign a, a, a prolific striker. But don't forget, we do have Christian Deutsch out on loan, who we will recall, the slayer of hearts. Who is desperate to come back and do well for Hibs. Um, or so I've been told, anyway. He's, he's, he's frothing at the mouth to get back in a green shirt. Um, that is us, Mark. Episode 38, done, dusted, and we'll be out the door fairly soon. Thanks for joining me. Hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy your evening, whatever you end up having for dinner. And uh, rest up well so we can Michelle. see you in a green shirt for the Derby, yeah? Absolutely. Well, I hope so. I'll try and hobble along. I'll try and hobble along. Right. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Bye.